night, Mike. It's been a long weekend. Yep, for another entry into the Tizkin Library podcast. Yes, uh, it is. You've had a very busy weekend, I understand. Yeah, so I'm just back from War Games Con in beautiful Austin, Texas. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was the penultimate event of the Texas GT circuit. Um, and I have to confess uh, shamefully that I did not take Thousand Sons to this tournament. So for shame, I, I let you all down. Unfortunately, uh, Matthew Ali did not let any of y'all Thousand Sons fans down. Um, he t- he at least had Aramon in his list, even though he did not take Thousand Sons. Um, at least he was, you know, cool enough to to keep Aramon in there. So so where do we start? The obvious thing, I guess. <laughs> Chaos Knights are everywhere. Uh, yeah, I, you know what? I even staying here in Houston, I could not get away from them. They uh, followed me they, everywhere I went. Yep. They were, uh, they were everywhere. Um, we, we were almost all just kind of laughing when we showed up and, you know, everybody's kind of, it's, it's kind of one of those things when you first get to the, to the tournament, they, they hide the lists, um, usually until the day of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they enable it in the morning so you can actually see what people have actually brought. Usually that early in the morning, you're not, I don't know, some people probably go through every single list trying to figure out, okay, what's in this or what's in this and. You know, I think that, you know, personally, I just, that's not a lot of energy I wish to expend early on in the morning. It's kind of like, you know, I could spend all that time looking at all that stuff and then not face any of the stuff that I think I'm going to face. So, yeah. So to me, it's kind of fun to kind of walk into the big hall, see all the lists, see all the different things that are there. But <laughs> it's just really funny when you walked in uh, Saturday morning, it's nothing but nights. I mean, no, well, you had some, you had some orcs in there, and some necrons and other stuff. I mean, the 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 usual suspects were there, but it's like everybody else was just like, "All right, that's it, take a nights. I'm done with this." Mm-hmm. And, uh, I know how they feel because I was one of them, so I felt felt like I uh, I fit right in with all of them. So, yeah, well, I mean, l- let me just say that as somebody who did not make the change, I've completely altered my lists, all of them, every single list I would potentially bring. Because I'm tired of getting my lists stomped with no ability to sort of fight back against night heavy lists. Yeah, yeah, you have to. You're you're definitely for sure going to have to be able to deal with knights now. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I think at least until we get through the chapter approved, or, or yeah, probably through chapter approved, the big FAQ. I think there's. I think they've already released the errata for knights and so it's really just going to be a main thing to see what happens with space marines although you know just kind of chatting with some folks at war games con i i think the consensus right now is just kind of like you still have there's still marines right so yeah. there are some good options and some options that have gotten really scary like the uh maybe the centurions and things like that but uh you know, they still, they still have some of the things to them that are maybe still going to be a hindrance, but who knows? I mean, maybe they're, maybe all of a sudden they, they have the tools they need to deal with everything. So, so uh, in answer to the, the question, yes, the uh, chaos Knights errata has already come out. Uh, it's just one page of stuff, things, but um, I think we can circle back around to sort of the uh, meta discussion 
until after we've sort of heard about what you have witnessed, what you have seen. Bring us your wisdom. Let's do that. My wisdom. Uh, My wisdom, my first tidbit of wisdom is um, if you can practice before you go to a tournament. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, I was in a situation with work and everything where I had no time to get any practice games in. So I just pretty much theory crafted my army and showed up. Um, So for me, my expectations were not very high for the event. I pretty much was just kind of tuning up and practicing and getting used to playing the army. So the good news to that is I, I think I kind of lucked out. I drew some very good matchups. Um, I also actually really enjoyed playing the army. It's a completely different pace from running 60 Zangors or 90 Plague Bearers when I have like eight models. Yes. Know, or eight, I imagine eight you drops. had no issues finishing your games either. Uh, none at all. Got through all of them. And kudos to the war games con guys because they the the way they did the scoring for the rounds they added this little tidbit into the rules like almost like just a very little tweak to the um uh the scoring for for the itc missions so if you got through your um I i think if you got through three rounds or four rounds yeah sorry four rounds if you finish the fourth round you each of you got three bonus points and then if you get through the fourth round or fifth round, you then get an additional one. So you're now up to four bonus points. And then if you finished all five rounds, you get an additional bonus point. So completing all of the rounds, you get five extra points to that. So if you took an army that was really like you had lots of models and things like that, you were almost going to disadvantage yourself because you you definitely would be pushing to get those games done every single time. Um, and I definitely could feel myself reverting to habits of urgency where you just kind of have this internal clock of how fast you need to play. And you could tell right away after doing that for long enough, I'm either behind or ahead depending on watching how things are going or where we at at a certain point. Um, but uh, the fun thing about this list was I never had to really worry about that. I could actually, you know, hey, get done with my turn pretty quick, not feel too rushed or anything like that, and go turn to turn and get through the game pretty quick. So um, so I can kind of quickly just kind of talk about some of my matches. Uh, my first match was actually against Tao. Um, well, let's, let's back up, actually. Um, what actually did did I bring? Um, I took three knights. I took two Lord Discordants and three Red Corsair Space Marine squads in a battalion so that I, I could get a bunch of command points. And we're talking three big knights. Um, so that's six from that detachment with the knights and then another eight from the Red Corsairs detachment. Um, and then I took the Black Legion Chain Lord as just my auxiliary toss-in unit. So all things considered there... I had two Lord Discordants in there and a ton of um, ton of stuff, but my Lord Discordants could just advance and charge. I didn't need any psychic powers, but if I came up against a psychic opponent, I always had the option of making a Knight of Psyker if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. So it felt very much like I didn't have to bring stuff to try and deal with everything because a lot of what the Knights have, you could deal with with command points. So therefore with the Red Corsairs and just almost in a way kind of like the the Loyal 32 and just kind of, you know, throwing lots of command points at the Knights and let them do their, let them do their thing. And that's pretty much how the list played out. Um, the interesting thing was Matt Ali 
also showed up with a very similar list. Only he decided to go three thermal cannon knights with three Lord Discordants and Aramon. So he didn't have quite as many command points as I had, um, but that kind of worked out for him because he had more utility out of Aramon, if you think about it. So like if he needs to death X something, um, that's a lot easier than maybe taking the coordinate target uh, relic from the knight codex where you can also just say, hey, you're not going to get any involved saves against this model. Yeah. Um, so he kind of had some some different ways of dealing with that. And I think the third Lord Discordant was probably the the better choice uh, for sure. So um, I'm probably personally going to be going that route myself just just from how some of the games went and just realizing how good, being reminded how good the Lord Discordants are, that that is definitely the route I'm going in the future. Whether I, whether I go Thermal Knights or not, I'm not sure yet, but uh, he he's definitely, I think, got a much more thought out formula um, to the list than what I, what I was able to kind of scrap together. Yeah. Plus the, uh, with the inclusion of three knights, you sort of solve the problem that Lord Discordance usually run into of them being focused fired before you can cross the table because everything is scary. And so you're likely not going to lose the Discordance to early shooting because you have meteor targets. Right. Now, it's interesting because if you look, so there's actually a match against uh, my teammate Colin McDade, um, where the he, Matt Ali and Colin played the final matchup. Um, and if I think the stream is actually up on the Knights of the Gaming Table mm-hmm. uh, YouTube channel. The interesting thing about that matchup was that the I think the Lord Discordants were probably gone first out of everything else. Now that could have been just what he felt was probably the better choice there mm-hmm. to face afterwards. Like I'll take the Knights after, but um, didn't get a chance to really talk too much. Cause we, we all kind of were ducking out after that to, to head home and get on the road and everything. But um, in, in any case, I think the, um, I think having more of those big threats rather than squads of chaos space Marines, just kind of sitting in the background doing nothing. You now, as much as I actually got quite a good amount of utility out of them, especially the fact that they could advance and charge, you know, I kind of, I kind of think that as much as that is good, it's not as good as another Lord Discordant. I, and I think you're right, especially because the Lord Discordants can just do that anyways. Um, right. I don't see a ton of utility out of bringing the Chaos Space Marine squads. So the matches, my first match was against Tau. It was not, against a uh, Triptide list. I believe, if I remember right, it was a fellow uh, Houstonite, and he was running the eight, which was pretty cool. But, uh, essentially, what happened was the Discordance ran up. Uh, one of them just pretty much got in there and got blown up. Um, I think he did a little bit to something, like he might have killed a suit or two, um, but not a lot, maybe just one, and then he died. Um, but the rampager got up there with him turn one and we drew hammer and anvil um, for our, uh, sorry, search and destroy. In any case, he was, he was into there to the enemy army very, very quickly. And the rampager was up there too. And he, he pretty much just took most of the punishment every game. As you can imagine, he's, he's this big threat that kind of gets in your face and you have to deal with it. Meanwhile, there's two, Knights behind with the Avenger Gatling cannon and the rapid fire battle cannon. Um, so I had a good middle road build to deal with, you know, hordes or knights. And just by 
lots of firepower. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, for the Tau guy, the Rampager just was still standing after he had to focus down the Lord Discordant. The second Lord Discordant was kind of like hiding out in the middle on the first turn. So it was kind of like the two got up there really quick. And then the second one just kind of hung back a little bit. And then on the next turn, what I was able to do is based on his movement, I could use the Lord Discordant to kind of go assassinate some stuff back behind a ruin. So he was out of the way and not getting shot at for the most part. And the Rampager just kind of got in there and he, he then focused the rest of his army on the Rampager. And ultimately just, it blew up. Um, one of the funny things about the, the, the way the games went for me was I used the two-point blow-up strat on the Rampager. I rolled a six anyways. So, <laughs> all right. At that point, that just that did tons of mortal wounds uh, because I, I think I had to command point the range. Um, so it's usually just a 2d6 range with it. Um, and I think I rolled from like a six to like a, an 11 or something like that with the with the command point. So it was just this massive explosion that, that just did mortal wounds to almost his entire army. I think there were probably like two or three suits that just disappeared from that thing. So it was just this, yeah, he got in there. The rampager got in there and maybe killed one or two things, but the explosion is what really did it. Because after that, it was kind of like the cleanup time for the rest of the nights. And the, uh, the space Marines were just basically sitting in the back doing nothing. So I think it ended maybe like turn four or five, something like that. And then he just, it just went through everything and he didn't, I don't think he had enough firepower to get through the stuff. So Mm -hmm. Um, match two was against, I want to say it was Sean Prosser from San Antonio. And we had a fantastic match. Uh, He was playing Tyranids. He had a bunch of hive guard. I'm running my Knights as Infernals. Um, And one of the really great things is with the hive guard guns being at strength eight, I actually have the ability to take D3 mortal wounds on each of my big knights at the beginning of my turn uh, or my movement phase, basically. And what I can do is pick for my knights to be T9. Yeah. So that becomes really, really tough for him because now he's only wounded me on fives rather than fours. So it cuts a ton of the stuff back on, on how much damage they would be taking. So he probably shot like, I think he shot like two or three times in one turn with his hive guard into one of the knights, And there wasn't much, there wasn't many wounds that were done to it. It was kind of like, okay, this might take a while to get through that thing. Um, unfortunately I made, I made a couple big misplays what I should have done is paid attention to the fact that he was running crack and gene stealers. And I should have considered the fact that, Hey, he might try and run by and go after my engineers. And I didn't protect that. And my, my uh, engineers were my chaos space Marines hiding in a ruin. And uh, as a result, he got one of his blobs of gene stealers back there. And I was focus firing them as much as I could to get rid of them. Uh, Cause those are the guys I was worried the most about. And unfortunately they got back there. And if you, you know, I was doing the math on the points, the way I looked at it is it felt like more of like a four point swing, three or four point swing somewhere in there. And I think that won him the game making that move and getting back there. So hats off to hats off to Sean. I think he beat me by about three points or so in the end, but it was a great game. So my third matchup was uh, off the top of my head. I forgot your last name. Um, but it was a gentleman from Dallas. Uh, he was also running some knights. He was running the Imperial versions. He also had a few guards stuff in there as well. 
I think he had the Imperial Assassin as well. Um, and essentially in that game, what it boiled down to was my knight, my knights were able to get through and the Lord Discordants were able to get through his knights um, a lot quicker. And uh, at that point, I just, again, overpowered him with firepower from the other two knights where they just couldn't take any damage. And then, uh, and I also, in that game, I have to admit, I had, I had some very, very good dice rolls in that game. There was a lot of times where I was just making five up saves. So, um, and then my first game day two was against, uh, Nick Gower, uh, who's running, um, Nick's a really good player out of San Antonio. So I said, this happened to be the weekend. I guess I was drawing the San Antonio players sticks to his guns on the venom, um, the venom spam list. Um, it's super mobile. Uh, you know, he's, they're minus one to hit. It's just, you've got a lot of things you have to go through. Unfortunately for him with having so much poison, um, his list, he has to use his list in a way where he can play against knights uh, since he's only wounding on sixes with the vast majority of his poison. He's got to play his blasters really effectively. And I just rolled really good when he went to use his blasters. I think he, I think he dumped like a whole bunch of blasters, like almost all of his blasters, if I remember right, into one of the Lord Discordants. And I think he got maybe like three wounds off the Lord Discordant, something like that. And, you know, I, I took that exchange very happily. Uh, and then the Lord Discordant turned around and just proceeded to just go through Venom after Venom after Venom. And I will say the other thing that's really fun is the fact that you can beam with the ven- with the because the Venoms are vehicles, he would, he killed the vehicle and then could beam the last unit he wasn't able to kill in combat. So he was able to go into like two squads and a Venom sitting on an objective, kill almost both squads and the Venom, and then just, you know, beam off the Venom into the one squad that didn't die and cleared an entire objective for me um, just on his own. So, um, and other than that, the other, the other big thing that came into play in that game was I was able to take the, uh, pay for the warlord trait on one of my um, uh, quote-unquote crusader builds on my knights and made it objective secure. And this was one of the ones where you had to hold two objectives that you place on the map to get the bonus objective. And so I basically just positioned him in the vicinity of that one that I knew he was going to go for. And that way, if he went over there after it, then I could just sit that knight over there on that objective and that was going to be a pain for him. That's pretty much how that went. Yeah, because uh, effectively counting as 10 dudes on an object, a itty bitty objective means that the knights, especially if it's a character knight, is just going to take that objective. That is his objective now. <laughs> You're going to have uh, to get him off there. Yeah. Because even if you like try to just walk up to it and put 10 guys on it, or even 11 guys on it if you want to take it, odds yeah. are you're within three. So he's just going to heroically intervene into your dudes and kill them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was his objective pretty much most of the game. Although, I will say, it went down real quick at the end. Probably, as Nick pointed out, I should have been doing the T9 a lot more there towards yeah. the end, even though he was getting down in wounds. I think it was just kind of one of those hindsight, like, yeah, in the future, I need to use the T9 a little bit more there so he doesn't die. Uh, it would have prevented him from going down. I think he had 10 wounds, and then all of a sudden, the blasters just went off, and I failed saves, and he's gone on the very last turn. But um, it was, thankfully, the game was, pre- I think, decided at that point. So it was, uh, you know, just kind of 
he got he got a couple extra points out of that by doing that. So, and then my last game, unfortunately, just it did not go well at all. I was playing Max Ivester, uh, who I think ended up um, hats off to him. I think he finished like top five uh, at the end of the tournament. Um, he was running um, a couple Imperial Knights as well. He had two big knights, and then he had some um, Admech that was in there with it. So he had two of the Dune Crawlers. Um, it, it, almost in a way very similar to the to the setup. Um, he brought a, a bunch of assassins as well. Um, he actually brought all of the assassins, if I remember right, which was pretty cool. Aside from that, the way the match went was my knight essentially ran in, uh, took two thermal cannons to the face in Overwatch, and that pretty much destroyed his chances of doing very much against the other knight. So, yeah, that'll do it. That was that was a bad day right there. So, and I think he rolled pretty hot, if I remember right, on his saves. Uh, when I put my stuff into his um, his thermal knight, that was the main threat that I was worried about. Um, I kind of figured that my two despoilers could sit back. Uh, they could focus on the thermal cannon from range. The rampager would go after the thermal cannon. Uh, and then the discordance would play kind of like linebacker against the gallant as it came in. Unfortunately, um, I didn't play that very well at all. And he was able to get his gallant into my rampagers, sorry, discordance. And the rampager just bit the dust when it went in there. Um, also worth noting the Lord or the chain Lord in all of my matches just completely dirt. Um, he did nada. Um, I think he got into one fight. He made maybe one charge in all five games, and um, so he's he's probably going to take a timeout for a few weeks. So, um, yeah, uh, I mean, to be completely fair, he seems like the type of thing you included because he's really good, but um, does not really match the type of lists you were putting together. Well, yeah, I mean, it was about a hundred points or so, and if you think about it. What what can you bring in an auxiliary detachment for about a hundred bucks or hundred hundred points? There weren't very many upgrades that I could make on my knights. They were all pretty much kitted out at that point. I mean, sure, I could I could start thinking about like putting Melta or things like that on there, but I I just kind of looked at it like, well, could I? I'd rather have another model in there than worrying about that because the knights already had kind of their core thing of what they do, and uh, there wasn't all that much that, that you could that you could really bring couldn't quite fit Aramon on foot. Um, I guess I could fit a thousand sun sorcerer and maybe do something there, but I didn't really, I kind of felt like, yeah, the chain Lord's probably a little bit better utilitarian there. And he just kind of is like an all around, like, you know, put something at something, put a point him at something and he'll just do a bunch of mortal wounds to something like that. So you don't have to worry about how good their inborn save is or anything like that, especially custodies and stuff like that. He'll just go right through. He works a lot better when you have the apostle and a way to give him prescience and, you know, that you save command points for veterans of the long war with him um, so that you really can get stuff to, to fly off with him. But he was, a, you know, I, I felt pretty good about taking him. He just didn't work out the way that I had hoped. So, mm-hmm. so anyways, all in all, three and two for the tournament. I was very happy with it. Um, I will say that I, I had no practice going in. I had no real preparation other than just kind of looking at the codex, figuring out, okay, this is what I can take, and I'll just figure it out when I get there. Um, and for doing that, I, I thought it went pretty good. I didn't read the Dreadblade stuff. 
Uh, I just kind of glossed over it before I built my army. And I wish I had read that a little bit more because it was almost an entire mechanic of the army that I just neglected that I could have been using. Yeah. Um, and I think in the future, I'll have that figured out. If we tie this back here to our the reason we're even doing this, Thousand Sons with Knights right now, I think they have a. I think the knights definitely have a place in there. The rampager might be a good idea if you want something that can get up and really take threat away. Maybe there's a a way to run him. Maybe with Magnus, but the problem is Magnus is probably going to steal that threat away from the rampager. So yeah. you kind of play in devil's advocate there, like which one do you take, and then you hope the rest of your army's strong. The the knight tyrant in a way is probably the worst choice, I think, out of all of them uh, because he's starting off 700 points unless you change some of his equipment. His ability to give invuln saves to stuff around him is only you know, useless, basically, against Thousand Suns because everything has an invuln save. And then finally, you have your spoilers, which are probably the better options where if you take maybe one or two in a list. There's a lot of utility you can get out of them. They can operate as a back fire base, basically, in your back line. Um, there's a lot you can do also with them being psychers and, you know, giving them some of the relics that they have to take out invuln saves. Like, you can, you can do all sorts of stuff with them that can actually be really, really useful. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so. frankly, with uh, how Thousand Suns work, I'd really suggest... Um, and like you can sort of sort of just send forward to rip and tear. I mean, one maybe one of the ones that has like the a thermal cannon in addition to like a reaper chain sword work fine. The only unit I can really think of that would benefit a ton from like the uh um but from the, the invul- from that yeah the tyrant would be uh like maybe Helberts. And I don't yeah I don't know if that even works on infantry. Well, we can. This might be a good. It, so it might be a good segue, Mike, because they did just release an errata that they made some changes to some things, and one of the things that came to mind to me that might benefit from it are the vindicators, because they're yes. T8, and you give them an invuln save all of a sudden, and those things can actually take some punishment. Um, I played in a narrative tournament on Friday, uh, or a team, kind of like a team narrative tournament on Friday before WarGamesCon. And uh, I actually just brought three Iron Warrior Vindicators. Um, and what was great about it was those guys could just sit there and just even even against things like Ludas and other stuff that could that could put some punishment out. The T8 makes a big deal there, and then you can also give them a feel no pain when they're Iron Warriors. Um, yeah. And I think the aura from the um, the Chaos Knight. I think it applies to chaos units. Yeah, it only it it targets chaos units. So it's the kind of thing that if you wanted to bring three and you know ally them in that way, you could. So, mm-hmm. anyways, of all the things, I would say definitely look at bringing them, bringing the dreadblade rules in, um, or take advantage of it because you just kind of get it for free and there's some really good bonuses there and you just have to kind of get through your leadership thing each turn, which isn't that big of a deal. The, the, the benefits kind of outweigh the, the, the cons. You can also uh, take the one that gets you a bonus one, or you can put, uh, because you only can give one dread blade, the default uh, by rule, you get, you get the one dread blade 
bonuses by taking one. You could, there's also a relic that lets you take a second. So with that, what do you think of the new Vindicator gun? So I uh, was initially a little skeptical just because, well, how much difference is it really between two average shots and 3.5? Um, however, then I, you know, did that thing I do whenever I get curious about these things and updated my Excel sheet for the new gun. And uh, the new Vindicator is amazing. Taken against a Knight equivalent unit, so anything that's toughness 7 or higher with a 3-up save and a 5-up invulnerable save, the Vindicator is hands down the most effective ranged option in the entire codex for thousand suns. Not taking like stratagems and various things into account that make this entire thing impossible. Just like, but just out of the box, if you need something that will delete a high toughness target, Vindicator is probably the way to go. Um, which is a huge change over um, where they were previously. Now they're still going to be swingy though with D six oh, yeah. shots. No, no, we're they talking averages to... here. Yeah. Um, so you, you have every once in a while you'll you'll get like one one or two shots, but um, as long as you're getting three shots or more, you're in very good shape. Yeah, and obviously because you're we're thousand suns, you have extra tools to mitigate bad dice rolls like gaze of fate, or on top of the normal uh, command point reroll. And you could also potentially get, you know, if if you were to take three vindicators which might be from a competitive standpoint might be a little bit early to to start talking about that but um if you were to take three vindicators you do unlock the ability to use the line breaker bombardment stratagem which is very good when it goes off very very good but it, getting it to go off is the big thing I mean, as much as the uh, like hateful assault is awesome, I, I think the Vindicator change is actually the biggest improvement. Uh, for Thousand Suns. Marine uh, update for Thousand Suns. Right. Now in the, the Trader Brothers, we have Berserkers. I mean, that's the oh. thing I think everybody's looking at right now. That Not only Berserkers, but I think there were some mentions in the fact that the drop pod rules have been updated so that now you can... Um, basically drop pod turn one. Correct. Which, but, um, but they're also talking about the fact that the chaos ones are going to get that rule as well. I mean, we haven't seen anything concrete on that yet. Um, it'd be good if they did. I think they really should. Well, but so, um, I'm, so I'm told by other folks at WarGamesCon, it, it's beneficial. Like, I haven't seen it with my own eyes, but I've been told that GW has actually said that that that's happening that the drop pods are getting updated so i could completely eat some crow on that one and that it might not be the case at all but uh that's from some very trustworthy sources that's what i'm told that's happening yeah i mean i think it'd definitely be good from a like equity standpoint if they brought that back and it'd go a long way towards actually making drop pods I won't say viable, but at least worth a consideration. Oh yeah, oh for sure. I mean, I know that there's people all, right away. They're they're talking about the fact that chain chain havocs in your drop pods. You mm -hmm. just bring them in turn one, and it's just kind of like all right. And then you don't have to worry about your chain cannons waiting an extra turn or not being able to you know live through a turn sitting on the battlefield. Yeah, because so. uh, I actually it. 
definitely affects like how I would um, traditionally deal with thousands I mean, or uh, chaos with chain cannons with the, my various arms. Cause literally with drop pod, there is no defense. They're going to show up, kill something and then the game will proceed from there. Yeah. Yeah. But if you can get that early, it means you can, you know, increase the longevity of your army uh, in battles. So like weakening what they can do helps you. So there's, they're also looking at a whole bunch of space Marine changes where they've got doctrines and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We're probably going to have to come back and talk maybe in another episode here soon about how that's possibly going to affect us a little bit. Um, You know, in terms of how we'll play against it, white scars and ultramarines right out of the box lots lots of stuff um someone yeah. was actually pointing out to me that ironically the the ultra or the chaos space or the sorry the space marine um world actually now has more spell trees than thousand suns do yeah that is definitely true um because each of the uh i guess specialist chapters of blood angels uh Space Wolves and um, Dark Angels all always had their own specialist trees. And then I think White Scars got a new one. Yep. They did. So did Ultramarines. Oh, Ultramarines got one. And I then believe they did. One. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's tons of options there. Yep. And um, I mean, I, I, I like a, having a bunch of options. However, I am somewhat concerned that they uh, might be making some well might miss some stuff and inevitably does not necessarily bode well like you remember when uh, the chaos mark ii came out we were reading through the various units and uh in both it and vigilus ablaze and we just kept on finding like weird typos and junk and yeah. uh it's really odd yeah it, but, um, although it does seem very when you see all that they've been doing right now, it seems very imbalanced just in the treatment. Like, I mean, if there was ever kind of a, yeah, GW shows favoritism towards certain armies, the, the whole, Hey, tongue in cheek nature of that is completely gone at this point. If you look at how much they're doing to help space Marines. Yeah. Though I think part of that is that, um, so space Marines are the flagship army. I don't think anybody can deny that. And when was the last time and you actually saw Marines taken to any like serious event? Oh, an eighth edition. I don't think we've seen it at all. Like, like that, the, the narrative thing you, you played against like the, the, uh, Shiner Marines. Yeah. And, but that literally, I, I, other than like a couple of times they're like, space Marines can't be that bad games where I, I take them for a spin and they come boys like okay they really are that bad um <laughs> the uh marines needed help and i think yeah. this is sort of gw's way to, like to try to win back the crowd yep in regards to people actually think considering marines as a viable army and um, i hope they they i hope they take this supplement approach with uh world eaters and emperor's children yeah well because they deserve they deserve to have at least a supplement they deserve codexes in my opinion but 
they just they at least should be given a supplement of some kind to hold them over if they need to work on so, that. So I think the old Codex model is actually dated. I, I actually prefer the supplement model. You have your core book. So like we'll take Chaos for instance. We have the core Chaos book. We have Vigilus uh, Ablaze, which is effectively Codex, Black Renegades. Legion, and Renegades. Yeah. I, I think that in the, the that's that works perfectly fine. So now whenever anytime they update the units for the core codex, everyone gets the benefits or nerfs, as it were. And um you can provide these cool bonuses and like unique units without having to completely republish the core codex. Which has always been the thing that I laugh about with Marines, the fact that literally Marines you're, for every different flavor of Marines, you're buying effectively the Codex Space Marines plus like three extra special units and name characters and whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm actually happy that they're sort of going back to the supplement me- uh, model instead. And I guess now that they've rolled out all of the codexes for every army, that it, I mean, besides sisters and I guess custodies also have kind of like a bunch of stuff that they're kind of like, oh yeah, and then this stuff too. Yeah, um, I I imagine they'll get a 2.0 at some point, but you know the, the I think the the term I hear a lot thrown around a lot is you know eight ninth edition and the things to expect there. And what do you think? How far off do you think we are from like a ninth edition? Are we? I don't think we're gonna see a ninth edition per se. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm actually the the term I've been seeing bandied about a lot on like the Eldar Discord, which I joined today for some reason i have some regret <laughs> maybe because you play eldar i mean i do but i don't know eldar players are so needy <laughs> um anyways uh joke all joking aside um is 8.5 where effectively they've got everyone's armies out everyone except for like outliers like sisters who are gonna get a book eventually allegedly allegedly I mean, how much of a kick to the teeth would that be that they'd string you along all years? Like, surprise, it was a joke. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it'd be a big the, um, some fans if they did. The 8.5 uh, description is actually very valid. Right. Um, effectively, um, in 4th edition, for instance, they introduced the entire rule set. Everyone got the codexes, and then they revamped some things effectively they realized that there were some uh balance issues and they released what was called 4.5 and i think that's what we're seeing here with all the codexes sort of getting rebalanced and i don't think we're going to see a entire rule set change um anytime soon i think if we're ever going to get a ninth edition as it were it'll be more of a soft edition much like um, age of sigmar's second edition do you think maybe the chapter approved we have coming this year is more along the lines of that, where they could probably address maybe some of the major things in the game? Um, I and and even from like a balance standpoint, uh, I don't think it'll be quite like that. Um, effectively, what I expect out of a new edition. And again, I'm using that term, not necessarily in the same sort of the changes between sixth to seventh to eighth, but of uh, effectively codify all of the FAQs and the chapter approved entries 
so that whenever you buy the rule book, you don't need to also pick up chapter approved, look at all the FAQs. The, the idea being making effectively cleaning up the books so you only need the one book again. Mm. Does that does that more or less relegate Thousand Suns back to a supplement? I think that's sort of field. where I think they're trying to go. And actually, I, I would look forward to it if they did. Because, for instance, one thing, the things that I often complain about with Thousand Suns is the lack of options. Like, all of our iconic units look really good, and I, I like them except for the goats. But uh, what if I just want to take some Mark of Zinch whatevers? Um, I don't want to have to ally in a separate detachment just to get my heavy weapons or what have right. you. Right. Because they've said, you know, all you really get is just this, you know, demon engine and yeah. something that's kind of like a demon engine. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I played Thousand Suns before there was a codex. And so, like, I have a Chaos, a Thousand Suns Chaos Lord, for right. instance, that I, I can't use anymore. I've got a, a bunch of different units that they look really good. And I, I can still play them as like Mark of Zinch. Black Legion or whatever. However, it doesn't quite sit right with me, and I do think that go effectively folding Thousand Sun, the core of Thousand Suns, back into the core codex, and then giving them a supplement that includes all of the signature units like the the um, Exalted Sorcerers, Rubrics, the Terminators, the mm-hmm. various Goatmen. And the Mule of the Vortex Beast, Magnus, would be a much better book and much better sort of deal for Thousand Suns in general because it would open up options. I mean, I think the I think the thing that bugs me is even fast attacks, for that matter, getting the getting the Goatmen on discs. I think the thing that really is a problem is that there's a lot of stuff that was designed in a way that you could just bring more, right? So. Yes. They're, they're priced at a degree that you could bring maybe five or six squads of them. Even the detachments were designed that way with spearheads and fast mm-hmm. attack, you know, detachments that, hey, you know what? I've got this cheap fast attack thing. I need to bring a bunch of these guys because they're easy to kill. Well, then the rule of three got introduced and all of a sudden now you're in this situation where units actually become not viable anymore just based on the fact that you can't bring enough of them um and to a degree hive tyrants kind of got hit that way um that bringing a bunch of them didn't make them all that valuable competitively so now nobody nobody really brings them for that matter i think the i think that's one of the core issues in the design of a lot of this stuff that i hope they eventually fix um, but from what I've been seeing, I'm, I kind of lose a little bit of hope every day or every month or so that goes by. Um, and part of it is just seeing that things that would be obvious things to fix, like um, a very good example is the, the warp fl- or the warp bolter upgrade stratagem and how it only applies to one weapon. And yeah. it is indeed just one weapon on the model. Um, whereas you take something like the chaos Knights, they have an upgrade that turns all of their stubbers to strength five. It's one command point and it's just everything in this detachment becomes strength five. Yeah. So it just shows the data like that to me is the power creep 
happening in the game. I am very worried watching what's happening with Space Marines, although they needed help. I'm very worried at the fact that the, the amount of creep being introduced into the game to these other armies is pushing us further and further and further down the pack and down the, down the queue more or less. Um, and unless a, an update comes to kind of address some of the things of, okay, we've realized that maybe this wasn't as good and needs to be updated to work this way, you kind of have to hope that they see it that way and they say, okay, now it'll work that way. Whereas, um, hell, the, the, the Silver Tower stratagem, same thing, yeah. where you can just beam something in. Compare that to like, I don't know, some of the other ones that can be done by other armies and there's a clear difference. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things where you have to hope they're, they're kind of seeing that and we'll, we'll come back around to it. Yeah, and I actually, I, I personally do have faith that they'll eventually, as they s- sort of circle back around to the um, the Mark II versions of these codexes, they'll fix a lot of the those sort of either weird discrepancies or see that this unit's not very good. Maybe we can do this or that to change it. Right. Um, and personally, I, 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 like I said, I have faith that they are doing this. this. Isn't the same old Games Workshop that where pretty much they designed the vacuum? They actually sort of get input from actual people who play their games now. Um, and I, I think that a lot of that has will has and will come to light. Like um, I mean, look at the um, this, since they're new, the Space Marines. They're all of their Gravis armor models. Um, in addition to all the other bonuses that they're getting, got an extra wound because it turns out that, okay, we have like, they just weren't living up to how they were supposed to function as a unit. Well, there are some things that are still kind of surprising that I hear about. Um, the drop pod rules are a good example where supposedly I'm told that the 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 way they designed it if you read it it is possible to null deploy meaning you don't deploy anything any of your army on the battlefield the way the rules with the drop pods were written Um, as from what i've heard that was a surprise to that to the rules writers that you could do that now and apparently that's something that is in the process of getting addressed and fixed. Um, I don't personally know the rule writers. This is gossip. This is what I've been told. I don't know whether that's going to happen or not, but I, it doesn't shock me because if I look at the spirit of what they're trying to do with them, they want to be able to make you be able to bring your drop pods in turn one. They're not trying to make it where you can null deploy. I think that was something they tried to take out of 40 K in, in eighth edition. So um, you know, to, to me, that kind of reads like, yeah, that seems believable that, hey, that was just something that was overlooked. Now, t- to me, I kind of I feel like those are the things that I hope what they can start to do is get input from the competitive players, like work out the rules and figure what, what they are. And then hand it over to the competitive players and say, guys, break this. And then from there, figure out how to unbreak it in a way. Um, 
and and use that as your way to before it gets to the point where it's like okay this is official here it is um and even the beta stuff because we've now got the problem where the tournaments don't know what to do with the beta rules some accept it some don't you know and the ones that do you've now got the caladiuses running around all over the place yeah, and- i was actually gonna ask you about that um were caladiuses like present in austin Colin had three of them. He was up on the top table. Yeah. Um, they, I fought, uh, oh, that is what I fought um, in my round three matchup against Greg. He actually had a bunch of palace grav tanks, and he had, I think, one Caladius. Um, I wasn't quite a fan of the palace tanks, but the, the Caladiuses scare the crap out of me. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I think that they will definitely be seeing um, some adjustments here uh, because the point costs and everything are, are kind of a little off on those things. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, in essence, all of this, I might be just ranting a little bit on this, but you know, GW has done a great job on eighth edition so far. So I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm down on it. Um, it's, it's a really good edition. The thousand sun's got a codex. I'm thankful for that. I mean, we could still be like, we could still be like emperor's children and, world eaters right now where world eaters actually had they've had stuff in the past um Mm -hmm. and right now they don't and um you know hell (laughs) what was it red corsairs or um uh what was the other one um crimson slaughter crimson slaughter had a supplement and you had full you know traitor legion armies not getting any anything in seventh edition so I'm pretty thankful where we are with Thousand Suns right now that we at least do have that treatment where we can stand on our own two feet if we need to. We might be falling behind, but I, I feel like that's better than not even having anything at, at all. So that's probably going to do it. Yeah, I think. The, what, do we the... have, what have we got coming up, Mike? Well, um, release wise, we've got more marine stuff. <laughs> so on the next episode we'll probably talk a little bit more about the new marine stuff yeah how to maybe how to deal with it um, yeah like uh, what's about things to look out for yeah and um tournament wise uh there is the socal uh i think socal open coming up i think september is going to be a little quiet um at least for at least for texas we've kind of exhausted all our events there is another gt coming up in houston i think in november uh i haven't got the actual date on it yet but it is a um uh it is another gt coming up and um that one looks like it'll be pretty interesting and then we have warzone atlanta coming up in november that i'll be heading out to and then we have the lvo after that it's going to be here before we know it man yeah all right am, am i forgetting something uh, was it, what was it? Magnus did nothing wrong? Yeah, that is it. Man. All right, guys. 